Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. episode of Barbecue Tech, preparing your smoker for the season. I'm your host, Rod Simmons, joined by my partner, Crime, co-host, Chris Ashley. What up, dog? What's up, my man? Uh, I'm really, really enjoying. I think last episode, I believe we talked about um, the uh, uh, Blackstone. I think well, yeah, switching from a grill to a griddle, yep. Oh my goodness. Pancake cooking was fantastic. So I, uh, I have a pancake recipe I've been using probably for uh, honestly almost 20 years. Uh-huh. Um, and it, you, uh, whip egg whites when you make your pancakes so that you get like light, fluffy, airy pancakes. The challenge I've always had is the first series of pancakes that I cook come out super light, airy and fluffy. But as the longer the batter sits with the egg whites mixed into it, the more it starts to settle, and they're not as light and fluffy on the last sure. one that I cook as they were on the first. I did. I made. I when I made the pancakes this week, I did two batches. So normally I would that would, it's tw- I did twice the amount of pancakes I normally would do because mm-hmm. we had a, a my son was home for the holiday with his girlfriend. Uh. I'm not lying to you when I say I put the first set of pancakes on. They came off. I put the second batch of pancakes on. I was done cooking pancakes. It's like, amazing. The Blackstone is awesome. Oh, God, man. It's just especially for uh, the big events, right? It's like, you know, you can expand your big events, your big cookouts and stuff. Because, you know, uh, one of the ideas we do, I talked about this before, when we do when we used, when I used, when I had season tickets, I would uh, the first game of the season instead of doing just burgers and all the typical stuff, we would actually do breakfast or brunch. Yeah, you know what I mean. So and being able to cook, so I I know how to cook a, a breakfast for a lot of people. So it you, uh, may, uh, you may be able to go games again now that they're going to have a new owner for the Washington Commanders or we'll Washington Football Team or whatever the heck they're calling it this day. Commanders, yeah. It is but, uh, okay. What was it? I did say that was a caveat that if I was to, they had to get a new owner. Um, if I was to ever reconsider getting season tickets again, because after dropping tons and tons of money every season for the same ridiculous end result, you know, it, it's a even though it, it makes sense to some extent for people like us to and people listening to this podcast, I was literally enjoying the podcast. I mean, sorry, the podcast, the tailgate more than the game. Like the game was just, all right, now let's go to the game. It yeah. To me, it, it became increasingly more about how awesome could I make this tailgate, you know? And so I was like, wait a minute, I don't need to spend that type of money to enjoy a tailgate. I can do it in my backyard if I really want to. You know what I mean? So right. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But anyway, getting back to, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I was psyched for you. I was, uh, I, and uh, by the way, anybody that, uh, you know, is wondering, you can use that same, uh, whipped egg technique, uh, when you're doing, uh, uh, omelets as well. Uh, if you're making, a oh yeah, absolutely. A Belgian waffle, not omelets, excuse me, waffles. Um, yes. if you're doing I, Belgian I do waffles, waffles as well. 
Yeah, yeah. It uh, makes obviously it you're using nice a waffle iron for that, but man, the difference it makes. I, it, it's so much so with waffles. I I've considered going with uh, getting an additional waffle maker just because I just it's up. Oh, you close it three it's to four minutes now too. Uh, dude, I'm 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 in love with that Blackstone. It's uh, I, I hope yeah. more people. Uh, uh, at least give a flat, a griddle a shot, even if you go with like the smaller uh, bench top one, and then uh, expand yourself out. I it's a I like definitely it. gonna I, be a game changer. I can't wait till you do your first uh, reverse sear. Then we'll then we'll talk. The only thing I haven't figured out with it is uh, how do I uh, how do I get like when I cooked bacon. I still feel like I have I can't I'm not I haven't found the right temperature like. A lot of the bacon came off good, but I, w- I would have some spots that charred. And I will say, if I cook bacon in the oven, it's just like it's just perfect. Period. Yeah, and that's because you know you have that. You know, your heat is surrounding the food versus having yeah. that direct heat right underneath, right underneath it. it. So, yeah. so you'll have to figure out if your griddle, you know, like any other grill, has some hotter spots than others, and then you can kind of work your way around it, or just bring the temperature down so you can manage it better. You know that that's a speed thing. Um. As well as uh, just learn, still learning the griddle itself, because uh, I, I haven't I haven't had that problem. But I actually I cook my bacon a little bit low, yeah, to a lower uh, standard than yours. Mine is I don't want mine again to be able yeah, to I cut know. somebody I, I, in, I a, in an argument. It's fine. <laughs> Let's make sure. So anyway, um, uh, shout out to all the new listeners and all the uh, all the continued listeners and the continued support and the the messages, man. We just I, I'm I, I'm almost to the point where I'm living for it now. It's really really cool. And uh, uh, somebody sent me an article today. So yeah, imagine I, I I go to bed and I'm plugging my truck, and uh, I'm like, okay, tomorrow's the big tailgate. I got all this food prepped. And I gotta load the truck, and I want to make sure it's fully charged for the evening. And uh, so, you know, I can I can have a great tailgate. And you go outside, and your charger is gone. <laughs> what? what? So, yeah. So I'm bringing the story up for two reasons. One, anybody that has an electric vehicle uh, might want to make sure you invest in a camera for the front of your house because apparently. Uh, there is a rash of uh electric vehicle EV chargers being stolen, um, and most likely being stripped for the uh, copper inside of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, you def- it uh, it's starting to tick up again. And you know, it's funny because the article is basically saying, "How did anybody? How did? How come nobody saw this coming?" And of course, yeah, it makes sense. You know, you got copper wire exposed uh, outside. Um. You know, for folks that have it outside, for folks that have it inside the garage, it's not really an issue. Um, it's more for the rest of us that have the the charger outside. So I have a camera that can see my charger directly. Um, and I may I may actually consider installing another one. But uh, uh, yeah, it's a thing. So, but on top of that, so uh, the the the, uh, the reason why the person sent me the article in the first place is not just because I have the the truck, but uh the picture in the article used was me. So I guess what they did was they took um, the last time I did that interview and I sent a bunch of pictures the, the, you know, from, from my vehicle. I, they, I don't know if they had an affiliation or they just ganked the picture. Either way, the article was written with, <laughs> with me on, in the, me, me and my charger uh, with the truck. Uh, in in there, so uh, it was kind of it was kind of cool, but uh, you know, whatever. All right, so yeah. let's get to cleaning grills. And yeah, smoking. man. So it's not a this is not a new topic that we haven't really discussed on the show, and it's really you know getting prepared for a new season of smoking and grilling. And uh, you have some techniques that you use. Actually, one that I actually learned from you. Um, and then some stuff that I do to prepare my smokers. So I figured we, I don't know that I would say there's any right way uh, to get your smoker ready for a new season, but I will say er, periodically, you know, you're not going to go get, you know, a ton of uh, soap and water and a pressure washer and clean out your smoker. That's not the point. But the point is, you know, over time you start building up the debris, you start building up, you know, a bunch of grease and it, you, you do need to address it. 
uh, for various reasons. Yeah. And for grease fire would be a good reason to address it. Yeah, well, it's indirect oh, so. though, depending on your your grill or your smoker. Yeah, that that could be definitely be uh, an issue. It just it just raises the risk of a grease fire. And, yeah, for uh, sure. What you're trying to avoid. Yep. And then um, for me, what tends to happen is everyone. If I don't like, if I go too long without doing any type of cleanup, what'll happen is some of the grease will stick to the top of the smoker or the grate, and then they'll like kind of drip a little bit as they start to melt. And uh, so I'm like, so I have to wipe it off my, you know, it hasn't affected any of my barbecue, but you know, except there's like a black dot on there. I'm like, what the heck? And I, oh, got it. So I got to pull it out real quick and just kind of take a paper towel and wipe the bottom just to make sure nothing else drips. And then I'm like, okay, all right, we're good. But, uh, you know, it's better to avoid that type of stuff. Yep. Would agree. Um, um, so the first thing I would tell folks, uh, and I I just recently kind of went through this process just to kind of get ready for this next season coming up of smoking food um, is the, the probably the very first thing you want to address is your grease trap. Right. Um, uh, yes. Most grills, griddles, uh, sm- definitely smokers have the grease trap. And, you know, it's just a grease floating in the inside of the cook chamber. It hits the top, rolls down um, and just ends up in the trap. And I, yeah, I think a lot of people actually, because I even forget sometimes that it's there. And my grease trap is like a ten by ten pan. It's like a massive trap, so it's right. not like I have to address it very often. But on the blackstone, as we talked about last week, it's just this little rectangular, almost like a loaf pan uh, size type of thing. So it's easy to see uh, because it's, it's 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 accessible and at the top. Whereas on on my smoker, it's at the bottom. So I don't know where. You know, each every smoker's grease trap is, um, and not all smokers have them because the egg didn't have one, um, right. because most of that grease would just run off onto the plate setter and then into the into the charcoal, and um, you know, and the plate setter in the middle is what made it indirect. Whereas, um, for uh, for me with an offset smoker, yeah, I have I have a grease trap that needs to address, and so. I find there's kind of two ways to address it and I haven't settled on which one is better. So I'd be interested in anybody telling me what they find to be better. But one way is, especially in the colder months is I actually let it, you know, let it sit because all that grease starts hardens. Right. And then I can just grab a spatula and literally just scrape the whole thing out into uh, a bag, tie the bag up and then, you know, eliminate the bag. Um, the, uh, now of course the other way is just to get you a bucket if it's, you know, uh, liquidy and, or double, like take trash like bag, two yeah. grocery bags Ziploc. and, uh, what's that? I said trash bag, Ziploc bag, double. Yeah. Yeah. And then pour it into the bags. Now I will tell you this also check with your local, uh, dump or your, uh, recycling center. Because many of them actually have a separate container for uh, kitchen or vegetable or kitchen grease as opposed yeah. to motor oil. So they'll be, sometimes they'll have, and for the longest time, I don't know if you know, ours had motor oil. It did not have uh, kitchen oil. And, uh, did not. Yeah. So, but down a couple cities down from us in, in Rockville, they actually had a separate one for kitchen oil. So sometimes I would drive down there. And uh, dump it there, especially after, you know, doing a fry uh, with the with the air, not the air, but the, uh, you know, the turkey fryer. But now we actually have in our area the uh, the the kitchen oil. They have a container for kitchen oil that you can go pour it in. It's it's usually free and you go pour it in. I'm sure, you know, they'll recycle it into something else. Uh, I know there was one guy who was going around collecting that stuff and, you know, powering some type of motor that he had done with it. So that is an option. If you, uh, you know, don't tie it off and just, and toss it out, you can definitely f- check with your local recycle center, uh, and see if they have a container where you can just go pour it out into, um, that kitchen grease. Um, but yeah, but you definitely want to get, cause man, there's nothing worse, which has happened to me is when that thing overflows, especially in the middle of a cook. Yeah. Cause it's just one more thing you got to clean up with all that grease. um, you know, just dumping out. And of course it's a pain because you know, if you're in the middle of a cook, it's a little bit hotter and uh, you know, it's, it's overflowing already. So it's just turns into a total mess. So 
Um, I'm trying to get more of on a, on a cycle. Um, it seems like I can go an entire season and not have to empty it. Uh, but uh, those those are the options. And I so I usually just like I said, take a wait till it's hardened. Take a, a nice spatula, yep. scrape it all out. Um, put in a double bag, tie it off, and then uh, just you know get some paper towel, wipe the thing out, and then put it back in, and that part is done. Um, anything different you do there, Rod? Uh, no, you hit it right. Um, I I tend to check the grease trap probably I'd say once to twice a month, just because I think mainly because I don't want to run into exactly what you said. Is you you you're in the middle of a cook and it's overflowing and you're seeing it drip and you're like, Oh God dang it. And then you, it's like urgent dealing with it. So yeah, I definitely check it periodically. It was funny when you, uh, when I got the max smoker from you, I didn't know the grease trap was there. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't until we were talking something. He's like, uh, da, 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 you should have to do the grease trap. I was like, grease trap, what grease trap? <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked at that thing was chocked full. It was, if you smoke one more thing on here, I'm going to pour it all over your deck. I mean, it was, I mean, it could not have been more full. And I was fortunate that when I discovered that it was the winter. So it was all block and gelled up, which means any liquid going on top of there would have just sat on the top and started pouring onto my deck. So I'm really happy yeah. that I discovered that before. But yeah, that's, I think you hit the key route that I go for cleaning. Um, where I find I run into more challenges is, mm-hmm. The surfaces around. So, um, and I think some people may have this like either with a grill or, or a, a smoker where you have a side table, especially when you're using pellet mm-hmm. smokers, you tend to have mm-hmm. side tables. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be where I would take like a spatula and put it down or, and right. those, they like, it doesn't matter. You might come out with Lysol or 409 and you spray and you wipe it, but just over the course of a season, you're like, man, these things just look filthy like yeah like, i always find that like just a, a little bit of dawn really keeps that thing uh clean especially and that's why i tend to opt for uh stainless steel side tables yep. versus like a plastic or you know yeah. a- anything like that because those they'll just wipe off really well and they keep they keep really well yeah um uh, clean but yeah they can be those, those surfaces can be a pain um, and that's something you probably want to keep up with a bit more often than, you know, the, the actual grease trap itself. Yeah. And I, I'd probably, so I, I think there's easy ways to go about it. Like you said, Dawn dishwashing soap is a a great cleanser, despite whether you believe it or not. Uh, the other thing you can do is like apple cider vinegar and water is a good mm-hmm. cleaning. And then if mm-hmm. you, if you want to get into chemical based cleaners, there's a, uh, I think I maybe mentioned this, like when I had to clean, like, the inside guts of my smoker. Cause it was just, there was so much buildup. Cause like I have like a, uh, because it's a pellet smoker, it like sits above where the, like the pellets burn and there's a tray. And as the, o- the oils that I have drip into that, some of them mm-hmm. drain off, but some of them burn and mm-hmm. they just kind of settle in on these, uh, uh, these plates that I had in there. And it was just like, I can't scrape it off. It's just, it's just gunked and build up. So I had to, I had to go with the chemical based cleaner. I've done it two times now one time uh was i used a, a thing called uh, uh member mark commercial cleaner and i did used a zep uh, oven and um grease uh, cleaner okay and both of those for me helped me get like that kind of either one for cleaning those it, it helped me get with the stubborn stuff that like i wasn't able to get off with a non uh chemical or abrasive cleaner and then mm. obviously after using a chemical cleaner on something that goes inside my smoker i Without a doubt, did heavy water, apple cider vinegar cleaning on it as well. And then I burned my smoker off, uh, like just pushed it up to as high as I could get the temperature and let it burn off for a little while to make sure. So that- let's, let's talk about that next then. Yeah. So uh, for me, cleaning my grill and cleaning my smoker is pretty much the same process for, for myself, which is what Rod mentioned, which is burning things off. So I like to... Uh, my smoker, I don't take as high. Um, I think it goes up to 450. I think it supports. Um, but the egg was always easy and most typical grills were pretty easy because they can get up in that five, you know, you know, 600 range if it can support it. And pretty much everything turns to dust at that point. Um, but for my smoker, I tend not to take it up too high. 
Uh, reason being is a, you know, I don't, it, it doesn't support super high temperatures and B, I don't want to have to reseason it. And I, and you know, if you, I feel like if you take it up too high, you, you burn off everything. Um, yep. you're going to have to reseason it. Um, so, um, so, but either way, do what you're comfortable with. But essentially, I took my smoker up to about 325 and I just okay. let it run f- for a couple hours. Yeah, that's a good, good um, way. I mean, my, that my smoker doesn't go too high. So it, essentially, me taking it up as high, almost as high as it can go is pretty much what you just described. Yeah. So uh, I let it go, get up to about 325 and I just let it go. And what I'm looking for is all the grease that is on the grates to loosen up. I'm looking for anything that can burn off to burn off. Yep. Uh, and then uh, from there, what I'm doing, and this is up to you. I would tell you to be careful. I, because I've spent so many years uh, working in restaurants, I actually have a pretty high heat tolerance for my hands, but some people don't. So by all means, grab some gloves or whatever. But I find, and I think most people would find that it's easier to clean this stuff when you when it's hot versus when it's not. Um, so what I like to do is once that grill has gone probably halfway through the, uh, you know, like the four hours or whatever, I plan on leaving it on. That's when I open that bad boy up. I grab a nice uh, grill brush, a steel grill brush. And that's when I just go to town on the grills. Um, I scrape the top of the smoker or, you know, just to kind of loosen up anything that's loose on there. Because essentially I don't want loose stuff floating around that's going to end up on my food. So I just scrape the top. Um, scrape, give the grates a good sc- uh, scraping. I pull them out a little, like halfway just to make sure there's nothing trapped in the tracks. Um, and I start at the top and work my way down. So everything pretty much just falls to the bottom. Um, then I go ahead and close it down, let it cook off some more. And then from that point, you know, I'll take the grates out and just set them aside. And now I'm actually, um, just cleaning the, the smoker itself. So, um, let it cool down a little bit, you know, not too much, you know, and then uh, just start scraping everything down towards the bottom. And then from there, my smoker is big enough where I can get like a shovel, you know, or a nice sized uh, spatula inside of there and just start scraping up the soot from the bottom. And oftentimes what I find is like a lot of the grease that fell to the bottom is caked in a little bit. So um, I always feel like it, if if it's too much stuff caked on down there. Um, it's messing with my airflow. So I, I kind of get really motivated at that point to kind of make sure that everything at that bottom of the smoker is, is the same. So if you have that offset, you know, by all means, you know, take every, all the grates out, clean them off first, um, or as much as you can off of them, take them out, set them aside, set the grates aside and really just start, you know, getting rid of all that extra grease and all the extra soot in there. Um, use a spatula, whatever it takes to kind of scrape everything out. And, and dump it out into a bag and uh, or some, some type of trash bag and uh, really um, get the loose stuff off the top, uh, off the sides, off the door, every, everywhere inside that cook chamber. You want to get it off um, and then uh, scrape everything down, put it out, and then it's time to readdress the grates. Um, now, this is a technique that I learned from Rod a long time ago. Um, Uh-oh. And uh, essentially, there's for people, especially people with like uh, grill cooktops, because I do the same thing with a grill, I, but I'll let that grill get all the way hot. Now, I would caution you if you have like the cheaper grill where the material is like super light and it's just something you grab from like a Home Depot on sale or whatever, I would be careful about doing this often because what I found is when I crank that thing up um, too often, the it seems like the metal on the inside got weaker and that's when it started falling apart is, oh. uh, is, uh, is that, uh, it just, you know, putting at that high heat, cleaning everything off and then, um, you know, letting it cool back down. It seemed like to me, it just seemed like that's when, uh, all of a sudden I started developing holes and all that stuff. So I would just be careful with how often you do it there. Um, and what, you know, and just make sure you're keeping it clean as, as best you can. But, uh, just be just beware that I think that the cheaper smokers don't handle this process as well. But the great I've never had problems with grates um, getting damaged just the smoker itself or the grill itself, not the smoker. But when it comes to cleaning grates, 
the trick that Rod taught me a long time ago is if your oven has a self-clean option, oh, yeah. <laughs> you can just take the grates, put them in your oven, turn on self-clean, and that heat that is produced from the oven will absolutely decimate any built-up stuff on your grates. One of yeah. the best uh, tips I ever got. In fact, when I got that Mac, I had actually gotten it uh, on a, at a discount because the person that had, I knew the owner of the store, the uh, um, and they had let me know. It was like, hey, we got this um, this awesome uh, pellet smoker, and uh, but somebody returned it, and they returned it because it didn't grill food like they thought it would. And I and this is why I always tell people, you want a grill, get a grill. You want a smoker, get a smoker. Amen. Yeah. So so I came and got it, paid for it, and I was like, man, this thing is uh really charred up on the inside. This guy was kind of cooking, you know, everything in their mom in this, never took care of it. Um, and it and like he had it for literally like three months, and it looked like somebody had just cooked every day on it. So I took all the inside components out of it and threw it in my oven on a self clean. And I would say most of the components came out perfectly. Some of them I was like, eh, you know, what? I'm just going to go ahead and replace these. And I just ordered the parts for it brand new. But most of the components, especially the grates themselves, perfect, came out great. Everything fell off of it, was able to wipe it down, re-oil it. And man, they came out really, really good. And this is something I've done. Um, now, of course, with my new smoker, it'd be a little bit tougher because the grates are so much bigger um, that uh, I was content. I, I did something else with the grates on my smoker. But uh, that is an option for folks out there that have an oven that has a self-clean. You could definitely attempt to put their your grill parts. Now, I can't speak for everybody's grill or smokers. I, I don't know what everybody has. But it is an option that you should at least check out. It's like putting putting those inside components inside of their uh, oven. And not letting the self clean go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, man. So many things you can do to get your your. Uh, do you ever replace your grates? Have you replaced them yet on your smoker? Nope. Um, I have. The only thing I've ever done is upgrade the grates. So there was that company that came out with a pretty much like a grate that sits on top of your grate. Because if what a lot of people don't realize is when they buy these grills, and they think that they're all the same, sometimes what happens is when those prices are cheaper. What they're doing with the grates are they're hollow on the inside. And what that causes is it doesn't transfer heat evenly because they're hollow. So anytime anybody's looking to go buy a new grate or, or excuse me, a new grill, check those grates, man. If those grates are super light, most likely they're hollow and they're not, you know, they're not going to hold up well. They're not going to transfer heat well uh, to your food. Whereas those super heavy grates, completely solid and you're going to get a better experience on them uh so especially those tubular looking grates that a lot of people have um a lot of times those things are hollow on the inside of them so just a little tip there to check that but the other thing is um you know what you can do sometimes you can find these uh companies that sell you know grates that you can use that are solid so that's the only thing I've ever done is I bought I bought like some after grates and put them on top of the grates that were there and 
really upgraded and gave my uh, grill a little bit more life. But I've never actually replaced a grease on on a grill or a smoker. I replaced other parts, but not not those. I, I find that you that the only time I've ever done it is when I just had like a grill where I just. I hate to say it, you laxed on maintenance and then it's just like, I just can't get this thing cleaned the way it should be cleaned. And it's like this stuff just over the years caked on too much. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Shame on me. You know, if you want to extend the life. Yeah. If you want to extend the life of your grill, but you had that really, really nice grill at that one point too. So yeah, depending on the grill you have and how much you want to extend the life of it, maybe like everything else out of it, it fits perfectly. You just, you know, it's by all means you can track down and see if you can find, yeah, um, I all the parts. Grill. So it was eight burners, rotisserie. It had a, that thing it was awesome. Literally had everything, man. Yeah, that thing was awesome. It was heavy as hell too. I had to help you get rid of it. Uh, um, don't want to think about that anymore. But um, so for other folks that say, you know what, I'm not taking my grates and put them in the grill. What I did was, um, actually, I have scraped them off in the heat on my smoker. I yep. said, okay. There's still an appreciable amount of grease sitting on the grates, and I wanted to get that. But I'm like, man, I got food sitting in here for hours. Um, I don't want to take any chances with any harsh chemicals. So what I did was I found a um, a a degreaser that was um, plant plant based. Okay, and I got this from my uh, uh, from I got this from our local organic store, but they actually sell these on Amazon. And um, this is co- from a company called uh, Ecos, and it's, it's like ECOS. ECOS, yep. Okay, and um, essentially, it, it's a it's a dishwasher. Uh, it's it's a it's a dish detergent, but it's also a degreaser. So what I did is I put I put this in the um. In a spray bottle, I put a couple drops of this in a spray bottle, added some warm water, and then I re I took the, the smoker up to about maybe like uh, 200. And then I just took the spray bottle and I just sprayed down the grates. Yep. And I took like a nice cloth and I just wiped down. And the amount of grease I was able to, you know, grease I was able to pull off of these grates was awesome. You know what I mean? And I did that from the top and the bottom of the grates. Because what again, what I'm trying to prevent is the buildup of grease and soot that was in there to drip down on my food while I'm cooking it. So for folks that are concerned, yeah, get you, you know, they make organic and uh, dish soap and, you know, so you don't have to have the harsh chemicals and you can feel a bit more comfortable about leaving, you know, your big piece of meat that you've been working so hard on in the smoker and you're not sitting on a bunch of chemicals that are smoking into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I try to avoid chemicals that are going to be on food surfaces. Like one place where I might use it is around the rim mm-hmm, of the grill, mm-hmm, like because where mm-hmm. you just it's caked up around there. You, you just got it. You got to get it off and scraping. You're not getting off as much as I want. I'll use it there. But yeah, if it's going to touch food surface, I really, really, really try to avoid doing yep, that. This worked just as good as you know as I expected it. I didn't, you know, it took a a, a cloth that I could throw away. Yep. And uh, uh, basically, it was a shop towel that I had in, in my work, in my wood shop, and I uh, just took a, a little a glass spray bottle, filled it up, and just went went to town on everything. You know, sprayed it down, um, and cleaned it up, wiped it down, and that was right before Easter. So, and we, we you know, we'll take some time today just to recap our little Easter smoke because that was actually pretty interesting and and fun. Um, but uh, wiped everything down, cleaned the outside, and. Yeah, everything was perfect. So um, now some folks who have like the offset smokers um, running, you may uh, actually want to re-season your smoker. Because, you know, if it's uh, gone for a while, it's been sitting out in the elements, it's not going to hurt you to re-season it. So and that just is simple as heating that bad boy up taking like a non uh animal based uh oil um, right. i i when i've seasoned my smoker i used uh the uh spray on uh uh vegetable oil 
spray it down again on the outside. I would wipe it, you know, give it a nice light little wipe just to kind of make sure it's evenly coated. Yeah. Especially, yeah, sometimes you, uh, some of the smokers, you got to do this on the outside of the smoker as well. And uh, it's not going to hurt you. Going to keep it clean and, uh, you know, help you clean everything up. And then, uh, you know, you're pretty much when it's done and dried and set, all of that stuff is uh, ready for the next season. And if it feels sticky, it's because you let it get too cold um, when you did it. So, you know, make sure it heats up and kind of burns itself in pretty well. And it, sh- it shouldn't be sticky. It should, you know, just should, should exist um, on there. But definitely a move uh, that you may want to address uh, on, on your uh, crates and stuff. All right. Cool. All right. Anything else you want to, I guess we should talk about our, our uh, holiday smoke. Yeah. So we didn't do the typical prep for the Easter one and then um, actually execute it. We just executed and we just decided to recap it. So, so this year we decided to do, we kept it pretty small this year and pretty simple. So we bought a brisket and we, we decided to split it. And thank goodness the price of briskets have come down quite a bit. I was shocked when um, I think we had it was a 16 pound brisket and it was roughly $80, uh, which we hadn't I hadn't seen that under 100 in quite some time. So I was super excited about that. But then we also decided to do some more uh, uh, vegan pulled pork, which is the uh, jackfruits um, and this time around, I changed my technique a little bit and then I gave Rod my original technique and he did some so we could kind of compare notes. Um, and then Rod did a full on uh, pork shoulder. And then uh, for sides, I had made potato salad, which I hadn't done in a long, long time. And I was really uh, happy with the end result of that. So um, starting with the... Uh, Starting with the brisket, nothing too crazy on there. It was a well-marbled brisket that I got from the butcher. Uh, It actually ended up smoking for right around 13 hours. uh, Wrapped, didn't even go the route of adding any extra uh, uh, tallow to it. But I did uh, inject it uh, with the... uh, with the phosphate based injection from meat church that uh pitmaster tyler suggested and I, that continues to amaze me with the difference <laughs> in injection um that that occurs with that would you say that that injection is good enough where you're kind of like eh, i can just inject this and i don't need to go with uh um a wagyu brisket like it makes this brisket so good that the no no okay. no so while I find that the injection definitely adds a bit of moisture uh, to it, the flavor and the marbling I get from the actual meat itself uh, is different okay. to me. And uh, yeah, and so, and honestly, the, the even though I inject it all the time, it still seems like those high-end briskets that we get, cook faster <laughs> than the uh than the ones we get from the butcher or anywhere else and i like the ones i get from the butcher it's a happy medium for me um, yeah. as opposed to dropping so much money on the high-end brisket which you know i don't mind doing once once in a blue moon but they're expensive um so yeah so no i don't i still don't see it replacing the high-end uh as far as overall experience but i definitely find an upgrade in my smoking with that bad boy my uh my spit jack injector still is the is a beast uh injecting that bad boy with with the grain i it just i just love that thing so much um the only thing it could do better is if i could pipe a hose into it and just i don't even have to fill the injector i can just pump it right from the hose <laughs> and and i'm probably i'm i know those exist i would just like for them to make an attachment uh I have to see if they do actually, but uh, yeah, so I injected it and you notice the difference right away because as you inject it, that brisket starts to pump up as opposed to just spitting all the liquid back out. And I know that thing was real when I went to wrap the brisket and I had took it out of the smoker, I put it on the butcher paper and I removed the 
the ammeter, the, yep. the, the liquid and the juices started shooting out of that hole where the meter was. It was crazy. Freaking geyser. I was like, good grief. So I had to button that thing up real quick, uh, wrap it up and then put the, the meter back in, put it back in the smoker, um, and let it go the rest of the way. Uh, and it, the color on it was gorgeous. I finally got to use the barbecue and tech butcher block for a brisket. Oh yeah. And, and the picture is a thousand words on that bad boy because when you see how that butcher block just dwarfed the brisket and that was a 16 pound brisket to start with. It was massive. It's a 16 pound uh, butcher block too, but uh, that's <laughs> that point. it's definitely heavy. And now, uh, you know, uh, we actually uh, recently got our first order for one. So um happy to build those. And if anybody's interested in getting a barbecue and tech butcher block, um, just reach out to us directly because that's one. Um, they're a bit bigger to build. So we don't want necessarily want to keep those on hand. So we, we essentially we're going to custom make those as uh, as people order them. Um, uh, yeah. And they're uh, essentially 19 inches by 16 inches by uh inch and a quarter if i'm not mistaken so inch 19 inch. no it's not about inch a quarter so it's two inches dude it's close it's not quite two inches it's inch like, and three quarter then let's say that. yeah maybe it's an inch and three quarter i have to double check but it, you it's said pretty an inch and a quarter that is smaller than anything i've ever made and i yeah know so that. yeah it's probably closer to two inches yeah, yeah. but it's massive man it's uh it's and it's awesome because I put that brisket on there and just started slicing away. The juices were just pouring out into the juice groove, not all over my table. And yeah, and I was able to separate half for you guys. And uh, you you gave me a funny story about uh, when uh, somebody was looking for the brisket. Yeah. So uh, if we've said we we're going to try to do better of over preparing food because it's just always way more food than anybody wants to eat. And my kids were like, is that it? Like, seriously? Because <laughs> to be fair, it was probably about seven to eight pounds of brisket that they got. But it was like, yeah, it's just not enough. Uh, yeah, they, they your kids housed it. Um, I had a, a couple of days of leftovers. So no, I was, I was no, excited. No. They had, I think but they that had was, two breakfast sandwiches with brisket on it and it was done. Yeah. Now I had a couple of days, but, you know, my, my daughter and wife, they had it the first day, but they're not big on leftovers, so mm. I'm okay with that. I, I enjoyed what I had. Keep them around because there's <laughs> more leftovers for you. Hey, right. And then uh, the pulled pork you did, I don't think I had a chance to tell you, but I loved every minute of it. It was really good. I ate it for the oh, next good. couple of days. Um, really, really well done. Juicy. Um, the whole nine. Very, very well uh, uh, done. And then, uh, so... Let's get on to the uh, jackfruit. So this was my second attempt at doing the jackfruit, um, which is like the vegan pulled pork and a couple of changes I made uh, this time around. So one of the things that I felt I did on the first one that I could have done better was I felt like it took on too much smoke in my first attempt. Yep. Um, so what I wanted, what I did this time around was I waited till the smoker was well up and running um, for a while before I put the jackfruit on um, and that alle- that t- tended to alleviate my feeling of that, that I had too much smoke in there. It was like it absorbed too much. So that was one step that I did, which I felt came out really, really good. Um, the second thing that I felt was even though I enjoyed, I enjoyed it and um, I made some coleslaw that went on top. Yep. Uh, it was it's just such a good sandwich um, in the end. But the one thing I feel like is missing is the body that you get with a pulled pork sandwich, right? You're eating a pulled pork sandwich. You feel like you're eating something. You know what I mean? It sits on you when you, when you, when you're done. And of course, jackfruit is healthier and you know, it's a, it's a, a fruit. So you're not getting that. So what I did was I actually took some, spray on coconut oil when it was done and i actually sprayed add some oil to the jackfruit 
before I put the sauce in. So what I did was, and typically with any pulled pork, I'll pull it and then I'll season it and then, um, you know, pour the juices back in. So I was like, this is kind of the same thing, um, except that, you know, there's no juices from the jackfruit. I'm just going to use this oil instead. So that's what I did was I actually sprayed it down uh, with some, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, a good amount of squirts of uh, some uh, spray on coconut oil. Right. Th- then I added the seasoning to it. And then, you know, once I, you know, once I got enough seasoning, I tasted it and I really liked what I was eating. Um, then I went ahead and added the sauce and Rod made his uh, uh, world famous uh, Coca-Cola barbecue sauce. And uh, so I added that in, mixed it all up and man, making that pulled pork or, you know, vegetarian or vegan pulled pork sandwich with that, with that uh, coleslaw on top. It, that, that to me was uh, two worthy upgrades um, that I did that I felt was really, really um, beneficial to the process. So anybody that tried it out, um, like, you know, a bunch of people asked me for, the recipes and i'm like it's actually a lot easier than you think yeah um yeah check your local store out yeah season it up throw it on yep and again i just do this because i don't when i have a cookout i want my meat eaters to enjoy the cookout but i want my vegans and my vegetarians to be able to hang out in the same spot not you know eating some puck uh, off the grill and be like, yeah, I'm having a great time. No, I want you to look like you're eating the same stuff that everybody else is eating. And that's, that's why I do these things. Um, I also found that cause we did some at our house as well. And I found that, uh, uh, even the meat eaters were saying, uh, you know, they put a little bit on their plate to try it out. Uh, mm-hmm. now, I mean, if you have pulled pork there and you have jackfruit and you try it, you're like, yeah, this doesn't taste as good is no. you know, from their perspective. Uh, but it was like, Okay, wow, this actually is really good. And I, at least for some people who are definitely meat eaters, it kind of opened their eyes to, okay, there's something here. There's like other you know, options that yeah. taste good. And again, I tell people, don't look at this as, oh, I'm never going to say, this tastes like a pulled pork sandwich. It does not. But what it reminds you of is a awesome tasting pulled pork sandwich. Yeah. And can there's one reason why, the main reason why I put the coleslaw on top of the sandwich, which is how I like to do it um, anyway, is because there's a tiny, tiny crunch in the jackfruit that can occur in some pieces that were probably a little yes. thicker. Yep. And so it throws off my brain. So when I put the coleslaw on top directly on the sandwich, now I don't write. So now it throw it kind of just masked any crunch that's in the uh, jackfruit and now I can fully enjoy it because I was take it was taking away from my experience of eating it because I was like, this isn't right. You know what I mean? Something, something's off, you know, but um, that's just the mental side of it. So just a little tip there for folks that are uh, intending on trying this thing. But nice. uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that was a recap of our of our uh, uh, Easter smoke. So um, I had an opportunity to check out a young man. Uh, whose family started a barbecue food truck in the area. Um, everything was delicious. Um, so we're going to get him on the show and kind of talk about what they do to prepare, uh, which will help, you know, all our folks that like to do these, that do these um, big events. And uh, so I'm working on booking him uh, to get his time and get him on here. So that'll be a real fun, interesting conversation. They, they did pull pork. They did chopped pork. Um, they did uh smoked chicken. Um, and then they did ribs, um, in their little food truck. And, uh, man, it was really, really good. And they, you know, they kind of go to different areas and do pop-ups. Um, so was, uh, really, really impressed with the food that we got there. So I can't wait to have them on to kind of help us, you know, give us some ideas and stuff. Well, I think this has been another great episode, and I think we have a number of different tips and picks in there for everybody from using Dawn dish soap, which hopefully many people already have in their kitchen, or they might be using palm olive. It's not as good as Dawn, but hey, whatever. Uh, or like some of the degreasers that you like the plant-based degrees you recommended or for people who are like, just give me the chemicals. I want to get this done quickly. We have those, the tip for throwing the grates in the oven. I think there's a lot here for getting your smoker ready for the season. Um, 
So hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of, you know, trying to get yourself prepped. And I, I think sometimes it's just the validation that, okay, other people do the same thing I do, or you might find that you pick up a tip or something here of trying to do, but um, I, I'm going to go make some pancake batter. Oops. Oh, my fault. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what was that? I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go get some pancake batter made. Cause my kids said they want breakfast for dinner and I'm going to be out on the smoker doing that. And I'm, absolutely this time going to make some breakfast potatoes. So I got a little work to do uh, this evening for cooking. Yeah. I think we're going to have to do an episode uh, of sides. You know what I mean? And talk about, cause I was really impressed. I don't do potato salad often. I don't even think I do it very well, but this time around I did the potato salad. And uh, I, cause uh, what happens is my neighbor, has a church where they have they I I don't know what it is they do with potatoes, but they always have like these massive amount of extra potatoes. And uh she always brings me some. And so I was like, you know what? I got a Easter coming up. I'm just gonna take these and uh boil them down and uh make a potato salad and practice a potato salad. And it was really happy. And the one tip that I'll give folks to try. So one of the seasonings we've talked about in the past is the uh the truffle salt and pepper uh seasoning. I use that in the uh, potato salad. Give that a shot. And we'll add uh, that one to the notes. Nice. Uh, if people don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, shout out to Bang and Barbecue and their food truck. And I can't wait to get them on here. Um, in, uh, I, soon. I saw an interesting tip just like for making uh, a mash. Like if you're making mashed potatoes for some people, they, they put them in the oven. Some people put them in the microwave. Some people will boil their potatoes. And uh, what they did is they took a potato and they essentially took a knife and kind of scored all the way around the dead center of the potato. Salted the water, threw the potatoes in, and then they boiled the potatoes. Mm-hmm. And they took the potato out, they grabbed the ends, and it pulled the skin right off. Oh, wow. And I was like, I'm not a boiled potato guy. However, I was like, this is quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty pretty cool. I, I don't ever have a problem. I, I keep a potato peeler, which I'm pretty good. Haven't worked in restaurants and having to peel, you know, hundreds of potatoes for something. You know what I mean? It, it, it's nothing for me. But uh, yeah, makes sense. All right, All right folks. We out of here. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Holla. Peace. Peace. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.